Welcome to our worship leader's service. Today, Peter, Rob, Claire, and myself, Liz, are taking part. And John has chosen the music to go with today's theme, which is Wake Up. Let's begin our service. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Now we are going to say the prayers of penitence. We say sorry to God for all the wrong things we have done and said. Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought, word and deed and have failed to do what we ought to have done. We are sorry and truly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has died for us. Forgive us all that is past and lead us in his way to walk as children of light. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. First reading is taken from the letter of St. James. 
who is wise and understanding among you. Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not to be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, and spiritual, devilish. For where there is a envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. This conflicts and disputes among you. Where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings, that of other war within you? You want something and do not have to have it, so you commit murder. And you covert something and cannot attain it, or you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask to not receive because you ask wrongly, in order to spend what you get on pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that is for nothing that the scripture says, God heeds jealousy for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives all the poor grace and therefore it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and we draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, or purify your hearts. You are double-minded. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from the Gospel according to Mark. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was there in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, far on the way. They had argued with one another about who was the greatness. He sat down called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last, or all the servants of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. Taken into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. I'd like to start by rearranging the reading from the letter of James. If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above but is earthly, 
and spiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and you do not have it. So you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it. So you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says? God yearns jealousy for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us but he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. For the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Now, as we just read in James, he's got some very, very interesting things to say about the Christian's way of life. He talks about a life of service and submission rather than of self-interest wanting our own way. As members of the church, we must ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to be a member of a church? Indeed, you could also ask the question, what is a Christian? But perhaps the best question we must ask is, what does it really mean to be a member of the parish of Kasluchor and Gosainen? It all revolves around what we personally believe. What we believe our personal responsibilities within the group or congregation are. And also what we hope to receive from being members of this particular community. The church can only function properly when we as members fulfil the calling that Jesus has given to us. We regularly play the words that we call the Lord's Prayer. We state and ask, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is interesting as the first part is defined by the second part of the statement. A kingdom is a king's domain or an area of rule. And when we ask, your kingdom come, we're effectively stating our wish for God's rule or designated way of life to be manifest where we live. In fact, it's effectually inviting God into our lives to guide us and rule us. We are to become his people. As Christians, we believe that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at Calvary, the spilling of his blood, was the ransom payment that gave us membership of the kingdom of God. And of all the benefits that come with that, including forgiveness of our sins. As the Apostle Paul once wrote, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Our citizenship is now in the kingdom of heaven. As a result, we are called to live our lives according to the ruling guidelines of that kingdom. It's like we have a dual nationality now. We live within the laws of this present land. But we're also called to live as examples of the kingdom of God and the way of life that has been known and is still known as the way. In his final discourse at the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples that if they loved him, they would keep his commandments. Early, as we note from the Gospel reading, he had rebuked his disciples for arguing about who would be first in the kingdom and told them quite explicitly that the greatest should be the servant of all. He also urged them repeatedly to love one another, to always put the other first, to be humble of heart, indeed, to have the attitude of a slave within the household, one who did not consider themselves to have personal rights and to give their lives to the service of others and of the extension of the kingdom of God. As time progressed and the church grew and spread all over the Mediterranean lands, the same problems kept turning up. People were trying to make the church fit them rather than fitting themselves to the model of the church that was being given to them. As James said, as an overseer of the church, he didn't mince, mince his words at all. He condemned self-seeking. Putting yourself first, putting your wants first, or to put it bluntly, trying to tell God what his church is going to be and what he is going to do for the church member. This is wrong. This is very, very wrong. We are not called to be a social club where the committee and the members decide what is going into the programme. We are called to wait on the Spirit of God for guidance and then follow his commands and directions. In a very real sense, he is the master of the household and we are the slaves waiting to undertake the master's will. The church is called to be a light 
an example to the people in the surrounding area. We are called to be Jesus to these people, to reach out as Jesus would have reached out, to be, as James says, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, and without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, which translates as the called out. It originally referred to a set of town citizens who were appointed or called out from the local community to be members of the ruling council. As Christians, we are God's called out, the ones set apart or made holy for the work of modelling life in his kingdom to the world around us. The scriptures also instruct us to ensure the continuity of that fellowship. At Mount Sinai, God gave instructions that the parents were to pass on to the children the teachings and instruct them to do likewise. So the truth and the community that enshrined it should continue. It's a bit like a relay race. Each generation is to learn about the way. Then take up the baton and run with it. And finally, it has the responsibility to train up the next generation and at the appropriate time, hand the baton on. James presents us with a choice. If we want to live a life that he labels as friendly to the world, then we're effectively slapping God in the face. But he encourages us to submit ourselves to God, to draw near and regain the focus on the calling that he has given to us. Now I'll be the first to admit that we're not exactly spring chickens these days. We're all getting on a bit. And when you look outside our church, it can be overwhelming and confusing to know how we can reach out practically to those around us, to the young ones who so desperately need to hear the message of Jesus and what he can do for them. They wander as lost sheep, without a shepherd, empty and dying as they try to anaesthetise themselves from the pains of living. However, while we still live, our calling remains. I can only ask each one of us to consider the solution that James gives us. There is always the promise that if we will humbly turn and submit to God, to pray and seek his face, he will draw near to us and show us the way forward. All that's needful is that we be willing. As with the early church, doing this is going to cost each one of us something. Do not be surprised if God calls us out of our comfort zone. However, as we obey his calling, we will know his presence and his power. Imagine how Joshua must have felt leading the armies of Israel as they marched obediently around the walls of Jericho. 
Imagine the taunts that the inhabitants of Jericho would probably have thrown at them. Yet through that obedience, the walls of Jericho fell and victory was obtained. He could do the same for us. If we seek God's face and learn from him and discover his plan for our area and are willing to be obedient to do whatever he calls us to do, he'll take care of the rest. And I hope to see a new generation coming in to take the word forward. Now the devil would say to us that ah, it can't happen. You're too old and too frail. You're past it. James's command is to resist the devil with the promise that he will flee from us. As I mentioned before, Joshua at the time of the Battle of Jericho was in his 80s. Just over 100 years ago, a few yards up the road from St David's Church, a revival broke out that eventually went round the world. People were meeting with Jesus through the Spirit on the very streets. Now consider that about a hundred years ago, there were actually two lachas. There was upper lacha, and there was lower lacha about a mile down the road. In between, there was a road running between open fields. On that road, people met directly with God, falling to their knees in humble repentance and were soundly changed. It happened then. It can happen again. Today. All that is required is that God's people humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn away from anything that is displeasing to him. I would also like you to note that the two old ladies who played such a pivotal role in the Hebridean revival were well into their 80s. One was virtually bedridden with arthritis, the other one was blind. Ladies, are you willing to get your spiritual handbags out, ready to go into battle? Gentlemen, are you willing to get your spiritual boxing gloves on? God doesn't see our age. Arthritis, dodgy knees or whatever. All he's looking for is ready hearts who will sacrifice the time to pray and to seek him to work wonders in our parish. If we are willing, he will act to restore his honour in our area. And just finally, as Liz briefly mentioned at the start of the service, for those of you who can cast your mind back that far, and I admit I'm sure I may age with this one, think of the opening of the show, Billy Cotton's Band Show. And his signature call, 
I get the feeling that that would be a very relevant message for the parish of Kaslucha and Gorsainen. Wakey, wakey. Thank you for listening. Let us pray. Lord God, this morning we just want to worship you, that you are awake. You're always awake. You never sleep. Nothing passes you by. You know everything that is going on in the world and you never slumber. And in your wakefulness, you are wise, the wisest living being there is. We don't always understand your wisdom, but it's yours. And God, you use your wakefulness and your wisdom for good in the world for good for us. And we thank you, God, that you're a God who loves to bestow your gifts and you long for us to be awake like you and to have wisdom more precious than gold. It's better than winning the lottery, your wisdom. And Lord, we just thank you that your wisdom 
even though we may not always understand it, it is so much better than the wisdom we get from elsewhere, the second-rate wisdom that the world offers us that has nothing to do with you. Because when we cling on to you and we, we follow you in your wakefulness and your wisdom, there is peace and justice, adventure, gentleness. We are made humble. We, our love of serving increases and we have joy and we're productive. So thank you, God, for being awake and for being so wise. But God, we just confess before you now that so often we're not awake and we're not aware of you and we're not aware of your wisdom and we're not that bothered. We don't crave it like we might crave winning the lottery and we should. Lord, we confess that often we're, we're more comfortable being asleep with our worldly wisdom and relying on ourselves, both privately and in public. Lord, we confess that sometimes it's easier not to think about you and turn to you and just get on with the tried and tested ways we think we should be. Forgive us, Lord. Please make us humble and please make us wise. Help us to wise up and wake up to who you are and what you have to offer us. And Lord, in Proverbs 9, it says that fearing you, Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, would you help us to fear you in a healthy way and to have the right perspective on your wisdom? And yeah, God, we thank you so much that you are wise in a way that the world isn't. And your wisdom, it's, it's not just about knowledge. When we come to you, when we engage with you and you give us your gift of wisdom, it isn't just you fill us with knowledge about you and the world we live in and everyone in it. Wisdom is knowing how to apply that knowledge and use it well to live the best life that you want us to live. It's a bit like the difference of knowing a tomato is an actual fruit, but being wise enough to not put it in your fruit salad. That's the difference your wisdom makes to our lives. And we thank you, God, that you're a gracious God. When we humbly acknowledge and seek your wisdom, we get to make better decisions. We see better perspective of our circumstances and we can be bold and courageous. Thank you that you enable us to apply your wisdom to our lives and have joy and peace in our souls. Thank you that your wisdom is a gift offered to all of us, not just those who were with Jesus when he talked to them face to face, but it's available to us now. And it's the best gift, one of the best gifts. And it's something we can use every day. It's not like a present we hide away in a cupboard and never use. It's like your favorite handbag or favorite pair of shoes that just gets used day in, day out. It's so useful. And so Lord, we come before you now on this Sunday morning and we, we ask for your help. Would you help us wake up and realise our need for your wisdom in our lives? Would you help us to wake up and appreciate and see its benefits in our individual lives and community and crave it more and more? Would you wake us up and help us to boldly ask for it and expect that you will give us your wisdom like you promised to? Lord, help us to wake up and would you give each of us individually and as a church family and within the whole world, your wisdom to do the things that you want us to do. And if we think back to the passage we've just read, to carry out our daily tasks with gentleness, to seek peace above envy and selfish ambition, to not be too proud to willingly yield to your will 
or the will of those around us when needed. Give us your wisdom to love mercy and grace above self-righteous judgment of others. Give us your wisdom not to be hypocrites, where our words and actions match each other in private and in public. Wake us up to want wisdom to seek peace and restoration rather than ongoing conflict and disputes. Give us wisdom to not focus obsessively on what we don't have, but celebrate and relish what you've given us. Wake us up to have wisdom to ask God and others for the right things that we actually need and others need. Give us wisdom to recognise and resist the devil when we're tempted and to draw near to God instead for more strength and more wisdom. Give us wisdom to really, really get Jesus' love for us on the cross and how his love took, it, took him there. And wake us up and give us wisdom to care less about being the greatest and being more about being the least and serving others. And Lord, we acknowledge all these things are impossible alone by human standards. But with you, God, with our wakeful and wise God and powerful God, nothing is impossible. So we just lay these prayers before you and ask you to help us, Lord. Amen. The collect for today, for the 16th Sunday after Trinity. O oh Lord, we beseech you mercifully to hear the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do and also may have the grace and power faithfully to fulfill them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now let us say the Lord's Prayer. We say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let's conclude our service with an affirmation of our, of our faith. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, the creator of all? I believe and trust in God the Father. Do you believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world? I believe and trust in God the Son. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? I believe and trust in God, the Holy Spirit. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, Amen.
Just one.